0: Uh, 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 uh. Ah,
1: ah. welcome back everyone welcome back to the dr pat show this is talk radio to thrive by yeah we're all in search for what we're all in search for fulfillment we're all in search for that thing we call happiness well what the heck are we in search for and is it ever possible to get it well the search for fulfillment revolutionary new research that reveals the secret to long-term happiness with author dr susan kraus whitburn joining me here today on the show and so we're going to be talking about that thing that's called happiness is it a myth what makes us unhappy? How do we get plugged in? She is a pioneer in the study of adult development and has been leading the field for more than 30 years. she got her doctorate in psychology from, guess where, Columbia University. She's currently professor of psychology at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. And she's been interviewed on television, on radio, licensed psychologist, and guess what? She Gets to Talk About Fulfillment. Dr. Susan, thank you for joining us here today. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Dr. Pat. It's great to be here.
1: Well, it's great to have you here. You know, this is something that you decided to take on and decided to write about. And I've got to ask you, was there a tipping point for you, that point in time where you said, you know, I just need to take a look at something more positive that's going on here. And, and, and you know, and, you know, being a psychologist, I mean, it's not every day you get to say, I'm going to do something more positive here. How did that show up for you?
0: Well, it, uh, it, it was kind of something that I began to discover as I delved into the stories of the people I described in the book. Uh, I, the book is unusual in that there's a lot of advice and there's a lot of ideas about how to, uh, find happiness and fulfillment, but it was based on a study of over 180 people who I had followed up over a very long period of time. And it was really when I got their, uh, answers to my questions and read about their lives and, and began to, began to dig in that I could see patterns emerging of people who had reached fulfillment or were at a point of feeling fulfilled and I wanted to find out why.
1: Were you shocked? What were some of the things that surprised you?
0: I was most shocked by looking at the events of some of the people who had gone through some terrible personal losses. Uh, and in the book I talk about my experience of doing the study, and I would open up these questionnaires. You know, they'd arrive at my office, and I'd rip them, open the envelope, and start scoring them, and score some people with very high personality scores on my fulfillment measure, and then I would look at the events that had happened to them in their lives, and I'd say, how is this possible? Somebody who'd had um, you know, lo- uh, great, great losses of family members very close to them, and yet they were very, feeling very fulfilled. they somehow managed uh, to squeeze joy out of their lives. And then flipping it, people who I thought just had had very uh, productive lives, As far as their careers were concerned, when I looked at their answers to their questions, I just had to keep sort of shaking my head and saying, am I scoring this right? Um, Is this two really a five? (laughs) And, And it was just the opposite.
1: I love what you've done because, I, I, for a lot of reasons, I wish we had like two hours to have this conversation, Dr. Susan. Because I want to make sure everybody knows the book we're referring to, um, the Search for Fulfillment, and we're talking really about the power for the power of change. You really. Are putting forth a new paradigm about this. Let's just talk about a few of the the things that you're saying that are, um, how should I say, a little bit out of the box for some people. First of all, you know, you talk about midlife crisis being a myth or, uh, you know, some idea that. And I wanted to to ask you, where does that conversation go? I mean, you know what I'm talking about? There's going to be a bunch of people out there saying, wow, like I have no excuse now.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. I had a few people like that comment on one of my blog postings. Uh, they weren't too crazy about the idea that I was taking on the midlife crisis because, <laughs> you know, as you said, they, they they said they had one. So, to which I say, well, how old were you when you had that midlife crisis? And some people will say 30. You know, and some people will say seventy, and uh, well, unless you plan to live to 140, um, that's not exactly a midlife crisis. Or in case you plan it, you must be planning to die young if you're having years of 30. I mean, it's just a sloppy term that people use for any time that they're unhappy. And and the reason I say it's a myth is that it's just gotten very socially accepted. Uh, it's in movies, it's in TV shows, it's everywhere, ev- absolutely everywhere. And when you look at the hard facts. There's no data to support it. Um, I was just at a conference, uh, and I heard a good friend of mine, uh, Paul Costa, who does a lot of research on personality, on thousands and thousands of people over many, many years, um, uh, people even older than the ones in my book. And, and he just, you know, stood there, and same thing that I, you know, we said, no, there's no such thing, no, we can't find it. So we've been screaming and yelling about this for um, ever since... The, Gail he coined the term or, um, you know, used use the term. Um, it's just not there. So if you're feeling unhappy, if you feel like you're having one or you had one, right. you could have been unhappy for a lot of reasons, but um, don't write it off to age. Um, well, I love that. You're, I
1: love that. I love that you're talking about not writing it off to, to age. And I'm, certainly we're talking about, Gail, you know, the passages model, the age-based model of predictable stages, and Gail's not the only one. By the right. way, that talks about these. You know, I love what you're talking about because I look back at my own life. I started my midlife crisis at age 17, and then it carried right on through my 20s. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, in the definition that we get from
0: midlife crisis, you know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. I know exactly what you're saying. Um, and know, and I, oh, go ahead. Well, Sorry.
1: well, part of this is really talking to you about change because I think that's sort of the missing piece here um, that you address so well. You know, you talk about change being possible at any age. Some people say that, well, it may be possible at any age, but, boy, it's really tough to swallow when I'm getting older and all of that. Please, please give us some insight.
0: I, I, I'd be happy to do so. Um, and uh, I just have to share with you, uh, over the weekend I was at a conference in Las Vegas, and it was an actual conference. By actual papers. Uh, I happen to bump into somebody who uh, turned out to be uh, not in the Miss America pageant, but the Miss Senior America pageant. Uh, you know, she was there at the hotel. And, I, I, I you know, just hearing about this woman and what she's done in her 70s um, and the changes that she's undergone and, you know, learning table tennis and winning a, a medal at the Senior Olympics in table tennis. I mean, if, she, if, if somebody like that... Uh, can go through these changes you know anybody can and and the changes don't have have to be huge um, they can be small and they can start small and then they can take on momentum um, so you don't have to change everything all at once if you're not happy with your life uh, but you can if you, if you see some areas where you're not feeling the most fulfillment and i suggest um, some ways to do that sort of stock-taking in the book, um, you can make mini steps, uh, baby steps, and, and get to the point where you're feeling happier about what you're doing with your life
1: exactly and so you know part of this conversation is some people have said this is now the new positive psychology i wanted you to address that because you know i refer to you as a pioneer but also as a licensed psychologist and i and 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 i'm really curious about what you think of this new term uh the positive psychology as if it's never been there is it true that it's never been there
0: Oh no, it's not true that it's never been there. And, and the term was coined by, uh, um, you know, somebody, uh, uh, Chick Set Mahai is one of the founders of this field. And, and he's a wonderful man with a wonderful philosophy. And he really is trying to say that, uh, you know, there's more to psychology than just curing what ails us. But people have been saying that for many years. I mean, if you look at Maslow, if you look at yeah. Carl Rogers, yeah. I mean, they were positive. The humanists, Um, They were positive psychologists. Um, I think what's happened is it just became in vogue. And, you know, like many things, it sounded good. And so now they've given it this name. And, I mean, I'm happy that it has been uh, brought to people's attention again. Although, I mean, I make a joke about it in the book. I say, well, um, if we only had positive psychology, we wouldn't keep psychologists in business very long. Not really. <laughs> and, you know, we need <laughs> negative psychology, too. <laughs> and you get but, them all off the airwaves, too. I yeah, mean, that's <laughs> right. But, but I do think it's good. And, and if it gets just a one, you know, a few people to start thinking that they can have um, more to their lives, then that's great. Uh, But I I do think it's important to distinguish between happiness and fulfillment. And uh, sometimes happiness is is, is used in a hedonistic way. Um, You know, I want to feel happy. I want to feel, you know, in touch with my uh, feelings, and I want to rid myself of the cares of the world. And the people in my study who were the most fulfilled, didn't necessarily take that inner orientation um, and just think about themselves. It was quite the opposite, in fact.
1: So, you know, there is a, a lot of conversation. We're going to talk about the five pathways as well. Um, but, you know, this study uh, it, it is kind of interesting in that you get to talk about the people that you have found most fulfilled and what that means. I mean, what have you uncovered here in the study? You know, who are the people that are walking around, you, you know, saying, I am bliss, so to speak? <laughs>
0: I am blessed. You one. actually
1: listen. had one of my guests tell me to do that. That's why I said that. I am Just want to say I am blessed.
0: Oh well. Although, oh, it, no, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I want some of that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, um, I don't know if they would say that they. I, I mean, obviously they answered questions positively, or they wouldn't have ended up. In the pathways that I call fulfilled, but I, I know it wasn't always easy for them. I mean, I followed them over 40 years and I saw them, um, in different phases of their, of, of this time, um, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, and there were some times when they were pretty miserable. So it's almost impossible to tell at one given moment, uh, what you're going to be like, you know, at the next given moment. And, and, uh, certainly, Being fulfilled now doesn't guarantee fulfillment. It's a constant project. Um, But I think what they would say about themselves is uh, that they really didn't stop and give it much thought. You know, they're not sitting around going, am I happy? That's it. That's exactly what I love. Wow.
1: When we come back, we're going to be talking about the five pathways. The book is The Search for Fulfillment. Dr. Susan krause Whitborn joining us here today. When we come back, what do you think those five pathways are? It's really interesting. I have never heard them talked about like this, but I cannot wait to speak with Dr. Susan. We'll be right back. (laughs) your heart's desire want to know the secret to navigating life's in between times with confidence and skill ready set manifest with life coach debbie lacy offers real tools to coach yourself through the in-betweens and leaps in life say goodbye to being stuck and hello to ready set manifest visit the inspired coach.com and join the next ready set manifest telegathering you're not lost you're getting ready visit the
0: inspired coach.com ever wanted more for yourself or your family? Are you prepared to take your life to the next level? Have you ever had that feeling or heard that little voice telling you that you can be so much more? Let Empowerment Psychic Linda Dickinson help you to embrace your own power. Visit Linda at InMyFuture.com or call 800-206-9096 for your private session and start living your life to the max. Be sure to listen to Linda Dickinson on The Dr. Pat Show and call in to connect with your guides. Call Susan Tyler at 888-629-4949 or visit StressDetective.net. Is Egypt calling you? Join Dr. Friedemann Schaub and Danielle Rama Hoffman for an initiatory journey to Egypt, May 2010. Picture yourself meditating in the Great Pyramid, cruising down the Nile on a private sailing yacht and exploring ancient temples in exclusive visits. For a journey that expands your consciousness and opens your heart, Call 866-903-6463 or visit egyptiscalling.com. Are you tired of doing everything you've been taught to do, but your life is still not working for you? Do you know the new rules for the game of life?
1: Hi, I'm
0: Dr. Melody Ivory, personal growth expert and co-host of the Breakthrough Interview Series, Step Into Your Full Greatness on the Dr. Pat Show. I'm excited about helping you easily transform your life from the inside out. Listen to Step Into Your Full Greatness and visit MelodyIvory.com for free articles, poetry, and affirmations. That's MelodyAvvy.com. Say, wake me up go, go
1: everyone welcome back to the dr pat show this is top radio to thrive by you know this is really a great conversation because it's going to give everybody out there that is within the realm of this conversation something new to think about and as i said dr susan kraus Whitborn joining me here today the book is It's amazing because it really gives and takes away at the same time. You know, it gives you a new paradigm, a new structure for thinking about your mood, your fulfillment, your happiness, your life. But it also takes away all of the excuses that many of us have come to know and love. Um, searchforfulfillment.com searchforfulfillment.com that's where you can start to find out about the book, lots of information there's a blog there Uh, Dr. Susan, thank you for joining us here today I mean, we were talking during the break about you know, certainly I was sharing how quickly I, I was able to walk away from my research topic because it depressed me but certainly you talk about fulfillment using these incredible pathways and This is a different paradigm. Would you mind sharing this with us?
0: Uh, No, not at all. Well, I started by rejecting the idea of uh, age-based stages through life, the Gail Sheehy idea um, that because you're a certain age, you have a certain personality. So I started with that, and then I started uh, looking through the scores of the people in my study, and um, as I say in the book, some people went up, some people went down, some people stayed the same on the aspects of personality I was most interested in, and so I spent literally a couple of years trying to figure out why, and I put a lot of statistics to use, and uh, eventually I was able to make some sense out of that, Um, but uh, as far as getting more out of it, I had to start going into people's stories, and it was when I started to look at their stories, and um, what people were saying about the decisions they'd made in their lives, um, and the twists and turns their lives had taken, that I could start to see some patterns emerge, and that's how I came up with the pathways.
1: So, when we look at the pathways, and here's, can I tell you the one I was drawn to? And Uh, you could tell me, um, and you could tell me, like, all right, you can, you can analyze me. (laughs) Oh, okay. <laughs> so to speak. Um, you, you know, certainly I want to talk about, you know, one is called the meandering way. You're unable to settle, clear set of goals, and then there's the straight and hour path. Then there's the downward s- slope. But there are a couple of things I want to talk about without naming them. Um, is it possible for me to have been at every one of these at different points in time?
0: Um, I would... With- Yes, I, I think so. Uh, well, yeah, you know, let me tell although, you why. Well, the yeah, one it, that I'm it, I'm just hesitating on one because the uh, triumphant trail. Um, I mean, once you've overcome, you know, some of the adversity of the people on the triumphant trail. Um, I mean, I suppose you could go back to the straight and narrow, but I wouldn't expect it. I mean, I, well, I let me. It, it,
1: this is really an interesting conversation because this is really why I love what you've done. It really brings a new conversation to the table, Dr. Susan. Yeah. 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 So if I looked at the triumphant trail, you know, my mother died when I was seven years old, and I believe it built in inner resilience. But yeah. when I went and got into corporate America, so to speak, and I got very comfortable with the predictability of the salary and the consistent upward mobility and things were sort of, you know, so that maybe pointed me to the straight narrow path. But I will tell you, I never really fit it, but I was I was willing to live with it. How do these pathways work in one's life?
0: Uh, well, I mean, you know, having gone through something at the age of seven, um, I mean, I can't really say I went back that far into people's lives. So I don't really know. I, I know that when they were in college, they would face things about themselves. And, you know, one characteristic I find, and it might have been true for you, Dr. Pat, was that... The people who survived adversity had had very early sense of security, and what I call the bedrock of their per- bedrock of their personality seemed very well grounded. So even before in your life um, this had happened to you, um, mm-hmm. I, I would venture to guess that you 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 know you started out with that on the plus side, um, and then I mean really I'm thinking more about adult pathways and. And so really after you've formed your identity, you know, because I did start with people when they were in college, um, so forming an identity uh, and then continuing to pursue that. So the way the pathways would work is you could go from the straight and narrow, which is not to look at to the right or the left at any alternatives, but just go straight, um, and then you could go through a, a period of great unhappiness that would then cause you to find the more authentic road. So, it, it, uh, yeah, people can definitely move from pathway to pathway. You're not stuck on the same one. And, in fact, I've got a lot of advice in there about how you can get onto a more fulfilling pathway uh, if you're not happy with the one that you're on now.
1: In your experience in your life, how have you been able to look at your own personal journey, your own personal life, and, you know, kind of tapped it up and looked at sort of the model that you've created or, or the ideas that you've created.
0: Well, I, you know, I do that all the time. I guess it's an occupational hazard uh, in this business. And I know. I mean, you should. I mean, it's not a bad thing to do. So I, I have looked at my life. And, uh, you know, the first story I uh, share in the book was a personal one about how when I was 25 years old uh, and I was teaching a course on adult development and aging. I mean, how crazy is that, right? <laughs> and uh, I I was starting to think, oh, what am I going to feel about my decisions that I'm making now when I'm 60 and 70? Um, so it really had me fast forward and do what I call a prospective life review, uh, look into the future and think of it, about what, how you're going to feel about the decisions you're making now in the future. But then um, currently um, you know, as I was writing the book, I, I did think a lot about my life and what's been important to me. And I talk in there about legacy. And um, it's very exciting that some of the work that i am done is is being read by others around the country and hopefully beyond the country and around the world and I uh, maybe making some changes in people's lives. But I also think about my, my children. I have two daughters, both of whom are psychologists. Um, one of is already has her Ph.D., and the other one is halfway there. And I think, you know, when it comes right down to it, I, that's really my legacy: is that I, I, you know, I feel like my kids have done well. Now they didn't have to go into psychology. Uh, I would have been happy with another choice of a career, but I'm just so happy that they did so well. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm lucky to have have kids. Not everybody does, and I think if I didn't, um, I would hope to have that sort of personal impact. On the lives of my students or younger
1: co-workers. Um, well, so, yeah. I, I have to, yeah, I have to tell you that you know the book and what you've done and what, and I, and I'm not saying that I'm an expert on your work, but what I've been able to find out about it, and definitely reading the book, has already changed my perspective. I can only imagine what the significance of your work is is really uh, all about and the impact that it's going to make, Dr. Susan, from a lot of perspectives. You know what I'm saying?
0: Thank you, thank you, that's really wonderful to hear, I can't tell you what it means to me. I I love it,
1: because we don't have to, we can become unstoppable in a lot of ways.
0: That's right, that's right, but you know, you just don't know when you put something out there, uh, what people are going to think of it, and I mean, as you have pointed out, it isn't a mainstream approach, Um, I really have gone out there and said some things that are different than what's being said, Um, and it's... Great to hear somebody likes it.
1: (laughs) Well, I like it because it's optimistic. That's why I like it. I like it because it doesn't pigeonhole us into a box that's called midlife crisis. You know, I like it because it, you know, we don't have to look at age as a predictor of fulfillment or lack thereof. And that's why I love it. When you take away the shackles of age and aging and the idea of what aging means in our society, then you're opening yourself up to a world of optimistic possibilities, as I like to say. And your book really gives us through, uh, you know, through research, gives us not just inside track on that, but also gives us an opportunity to say yes. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining
0: us today, and thank you for for doing the work you do. Thank you, Dr. Pat. It's wonderful to hear you say that.
1: Well, I hope you'll come back because I didn't even get to all the questions that I needed to ask you. So Anytime. I hope you'll come back so we can, we can really look at this and break this down so that people can understand how they can create immediate change and how Anytime. they can take and control and empowerment in their lives. Thank you, Dr.
0: Susan. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Dr. Pat. I really appreciate it. Okay
1: search for, for, for search for fulfillment.com search for fulfillment.com is the website that's the book lots of information check it out there is a blog you know let's all of us get ready to get rid of that whole aging idea of what it means what the crisis is about and let's start being reborn and having a happy time at it we'll be right back with the show